I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Replay, powered by digital media. Now here's an interview from the stage of Code Media. I'm going to start by giving the audience a little bit of a feel of um, what your actual roles entail. So you're, Dow, you're, you're the publisher of BuzzFeed. In the traditional media world, that meant one thing or maybe a couple of things. Um, at BuzzFeed, what, is, what does that mean? Yes, my title only causes confusion uh, with everyone I meet. So, uh, especially reporters. Especially reporters. Yes, nice. Um, but you're not alone. Uh, at BuzzFeed, I run the tech organization, which includes engineering, data, product, and design. And the publisher title, it makes sense in this world because? Um, basically, publishing is the act of making your content available to the public. And in a traditional media organization that involved newsstands and delivery trucks and printing presses, um, and, but, it, but for a digital publisher, the act of making your content available to the public is entirely your technology platform, your distribution platform, and the data that you get back from it. Got it. And Alex, your new role is running video and creating a new video strategy for the New York Times. Also run audience development, which you've done since 2014, correct? Yes. So what, is, what does that organization do at a place like the New York Times? Uh, the audience development organization um, came out of the innovation report where, to Dow's point, um, in this new world, thinking about how we get our content in front of people is different than just assuming people are going to come to us. Right. So the audience team's role is working with the newsroom to make sure that we are constantly getting people. Our, our kind of our initial mandate was making sure that our journalism is distributed. Um, so we have a, a social team, a search team, um, an anal- a team of analysts, and and these kind of generalists who work with the desks on just teaching best practices. That was a little bit kind of phase one. And then phase two, because The Times is a subscription business, um, we really are focused on thinking about how do we um, habituate users, and uh, that both actually drives the subscription business, but also the advertising business. Um, And so the team is focused as well now that we've kind of done the basics. on, on thinking about how to uh, how to think about engagement. So the first time I heard uh, heard the term like head of audience development um, was maybe like eight nine years ago. Um, right now it's very much in demand. Um, a piece of your team is I mean growing audience across platforms is a big piece of what what your team thinks about. Uh, how did you get into these roles? Like th- these are. Very coveted positions. What what was your skill set? I know there was there's some story about the dot com boom have uh, bust happened, and you decided you were going to go to Paris and drink wine, eat cheese. Yeah. And now you're the publisher of BuzzFeed. There's That's probably right. there's a direct path between <laughs> enjoying life and becoming the publisher of BuzzFeed. Um, I I moved to France, like you said, after uh, dur- during the dot com. Uh, bust, and I was fortunate enough to land at a uh, media company. It was called Le Monde Interactif, which is the website of the newspaper Le Monde, which is the biggest, um, well, one of the main newspapers in France. Um, and through a variety of strange events, I ended up becoming the CEO uh, of that organization um, about six years after I started there. Got it. Um, but it, to and so I had ended up having a lot of experience with media, with running uh, media. Uh, but in essence, I'm a, I was a, I'm a tech person. I'm a product person. Um, that's what I love to do. And 
when I uh, started at BuzzFeed, the reason is because I actually was laid off from a job, and I was looking around for something to do. Who should we, who should we tell made a terrible decision? <laughs> um, I was laid off from Dow Jones. Okay. Um, it, it, I was part of a small venture that, uh, that they uh, sold, which was fine. Um, and uh, a friend of mine said, oh, do you want to have an introduction to BuzzFeed? Um, my husband does their interior design. I said, absolutely. This was in 2012. Uh, ben Smith had already been hired, but BuzzFeed was still a small organization at the time. Um, and I spoke to a number of people there, including Jonah. And I uh, really believed in the, uh, the mission of BuzzFeed and the uh, way in which they were thinking about news and media uh, based on a lot of the experience I had in France. And I basically said to Jonah, I can do anything. I can work on product. I can work on technology. Um, and he said, you know, I really want someone to just um, own the numbers. I said, I can do that. Numbers, do that. Not, not sales money numbers. Right, own the data, data in terms numbers. of the consumption and, and think about growth as a technology function. Um, for a long time, growth was thought of as a marketing function, right? So like you want to grow something, you do marketing against it, online marketing, search marketing, um, other kinds of digital marketing. And, uh, and he said, no, you know, growth is, um, it can be very powerful as a technology function. So I said, I can do that. And so I was just really excited to join BuzzFeed um, and, and, um, and that's how I became the director of growth. And Alex, you, um, at, at one point, you were the, the first news editor at the Huffington Post. Do I have that right? Yeah. And then take me quickly through I, I, where you are I did today. that for two years. Yep. Um, I made a detour into law school, which was a mistake, um, and quickly called Kenny Lair after I graduated and said, please take me back. That was really... I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, so he very nicely Co-founder of Huffington Post. Yeah, rehired me at the Huffington Post. Um, and then I was able to kind of move into working more on the business side. Uh, I was the in-house counsel, but I worked very closely with um, editors and on kind of like business strategy operations and partnerships. Um, they sold to AOL, and I ended up going to the Times shortly afterwards. Um, and... So yeah, and then and then at the times I've done a number, I've been very lucky to do a number of different things. I actually I worked in strategy um, initially, but then moved to the product organization. And kind of to what you're saying, like part of how I ended up in audience development was building growth into the cooking product. I was the product lead on on the cooking product, which um, is now a year old, but. You know, it, because it was a new product, and the Times is not known for cooking. Thinking about how do we like build a cooking brand and build kind of like um, organic growth into the product features itself was part of my job. Um, and so I was then asked to be after the innovation report was leaked, part of a committee to think about how do we apply that those kinds of that framework to the whole organization. Got it. So basically, BuzzFeed leaked that report, and yes, then you became exactly. the audience developer. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and <laughs> I have BuzzFeed to thank. So there was an awful lot of love for BuzzFeed in that innovation report. And so I'm wondering, a lot of what I think about um, as someone who follows media a little bit as an outsider, but just a nerdy person that loves it, is how, does an organ how do you think about an organization like the New York Times with a brand that's cemented, stands for, you know, has st stood for sort of the same type of things for a long time. Um, 
can grow an audience on a lot of platforms where some of what's popular does not, a lot of what's popular, I would say, does not always um, sort of scream New York Times brand. And especially in your new role as the head of video, um, I'm really curious. This is, I mean, you know, I, I have never worked at BuzzFeed, but one of the things that I say internally, a lot of people will say, well, like BuzzFeed is not the New York Times. We don't, that's not the kind of content we make. But I think what BuzzFeed has done that's so brilliant is think about the systems for distribution and the, the connection between news, technology, product design, um, and those things all kind of like working together uh, in a complementary way, which the Times, before the innovation report was leaked, it's, it's totally different in the last year and a half, but can it's you, a very Can you give like, 30, like 15 seconds on what the report was? So Oh, sure, so, so. yeah. So the innovation report was a team that um, an, uh, Arthur Gregg Sulzberger uh, led to look at how does the New York Times need to change in order to kind of be relevant in the digital future. Um, and it was pretty revolutionary at the time for the new, I mean, I don't know if, if you, if you worked in product at the times, you kind of were like, yeah. Um, but I think for a lot of people in the newsroom, it was, it was totally, uh, a lot of new recommendations that have been all implemented and have really changed, uh, I think the newsroom for the better. Well, I, I don't know if I read something, an interview with you or somewhere else, but the times is still a place where not everyone is even comfortable like asking a reporter to necessarily like write the Twitter yes. head headline for a story. So this is like a big, it's, big, yeah. big deal. Um, let's talk for a second about a year ago, you know, the talk of distribution on Facebook, for example, and Facebook Instant Articles started. Um, BuzzFeed and New York Times, one of the first partners. What have you learned um, about Instant Articles since then? Um, what works, what doesn't, isn't a big part of your future? Uh, I mean, at BuzzFeed, we are definitely excited about developments that help the user experience, right? And that is, and that is something that we have always focused on and, and that we are very aligned with Facebook about. Um, and uh, Instant Articles is and it can be a great user experience for the person reading the story because it loads very quickly, gives autoplay, the number of... of, of um, of great things about it that make the user experience great. And, and we see that, we see that uh, having a positive impact on um, uh, many metrics. And so I think that going forward, the challenge and the opportunity for Facebook is that, um, is that Insta Articles needs to provide us with some of the other kinds of things that we, as publishers, um, need to have. And, and a lot of that is about, um, is about uh, monetization, about data, um, uh, and and control over certain things about the you want to monetize the, differently than how they're currently constructing sort of the model there. Well, well for example, we have sponsored articles yep. um, on on BuzzFeed. That's just one example. Right, and so sponsored content currently not part of the instant That's article right. plan. Okay, so for does that make you hesitate to go all in now? Well, I mean, we are all in. You're all in. So, and, and like I said, it has, it's, a, it's, it's great for user, um, user experience. And what about the times? I think uh, there were a couple of reasons. User experience was one of them. Um, but the Times Facebook audience is uh, the average age is 27, and it skews more female than our core audience. And so um, one of the things that like, I think about from 
the audience development team is how do we reach new people and introduce them to the Times brand. Um, and with instant articles, part of, you know, part of what we assumed was going to happen because the experience was better, those, those articles that we sent out to Facebook would be shared more widely and we'd kind of generate a, a bigger audience for them. Um, so we'd get the New York Times out there. That was one thing. And then, I mean, this is a little bit hard in practice, but a lot of the storytelling tools that they had were really interesting to us. Um, that they kind of that they that they started with just and that goes to the to the experience itself. Um, so we've been we we aren't entirely in, and it, that's in part also for business model reasons. We're a subscription model, and so to go, mean, you've tested it, and current currently I won't find. Times articles in it, or no, no, we're, we we just send a selection of stories. We don't sell a, send our entire report every day. So we send generally like our most social stories, um, and then we identify the content that was kind of most most popular on Facebook, which is opinion stories for the Times, um, and we send our entire opinion report, and then a selection of other stories. And it's been great for us. Like it's we we've we're really excited to be experimenting. If the business model piece does not work with the, with the way you do business, does that, does being all in end sometime sooner than later? Or do you think, do you think this is early and you'll, I think that, you'll find I think, a way? I think it's early and I think that, you know, Facebook's a great partner for us and, a, and I think that we'll find a way. Got it. Um, Facebook video has exploded in the last yes. couple of years. BuzzFeed is, um, I don't know what percentage of total well, we could talk about metrics in a second, <laughs> but um, Facebook video is a big part of your business or, and, and your reach right now. That's right. Um, what is working and how, how have you built sort of such scale? T tell, us about, tell us about one of, one of the properties there um, around food specifically we can get into. <laughs> yes, Facebook video has been a, a big uh, growth driver in terms of reach, in terms of time spent, in terms of subscribers, in terms of... Um, any number of ways that you that you look at it, um, and we are we're really interested in um, in learning about the kinds of things that that drive growth and drive impact. Um, and so, from the outside, it looks like a lot of short food yes. videos. Yes, there are um, there are a lot of food videos. We have a property called uh, Tasty Buzzfeed Tasty, um, and there are and it was only started in October, and we have. Um, 39 million fans to that page. So uh, it's a decent, it's, it's a decent number. <laughs> and and how many people you, you have? You have a team specifically for that, both product, tech, and and editorial. Or how how does that how is that structured? How are you able to sort of? Well, I, I think I think that uh, um, our our video teams are are pretty agile. Um, we have video. We have many people who. Uh, create videos for uh, for Facebook and for YouTube, um, and uh, some of them work on on food. Some of them work on other other kinds of uh, of, of topics. Um, and then uh, every few months, people think about new things that we want to learn. So um, you know, we, we try to learn different things on different platforms, and then we 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 have teams that are working to to see if they can crack something. Um, and so the food experiment has been uh, really successful. We have found that there have been a lot of um, people who love to watch and share 
food content as well as make the food content. So we see, regularly see people who take pictures of the recipe that has been um, created for them and, and they share with us uh, the actual recipe. Sometimes they'll take it and they'll make something, they'll make a modification to it and say, oh, I use this ingredient instead of that ingredient. Um, and, uh, and, we, uh, and we can see that kind of impact across the, across the globe now. And Alex, you're, you're newly, um, newly minted head of video at the New York Times. How many weeks? Three weeks? Four weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Three weeks, okay. So um, I'm assuming there was some sort of pitch to um, the, the management above you on your, your vision for what time strategy, uh, video strategy should be. Is that, is that Well, a- I, I was actually, I helped on a strategic plan for video before going on maternity leave in August. Um, and and then left, and they said, we'd like to do that, so okay, so tell, I can t- do that. <laughs> t- tell us what, what the Times needs to figure out in video, and, is it, and I'm assuming it's not just on New York Times proper, but it's video socially, which BuzzFeed's yeah, example yeah. of growth. I think uh, there are a couple of things. So, so first, like, we're in the business of, of trying to make content that people think is worth paying for, um, and that's with our, our core journalism, um, but it's with video, um, there's a whole licensing opportunity um, in the video space that's just been exploding. Um, and I think that we have a really strong brand and, the, and people like actually reporting across the world and have an opportunity there. Um, that's a little bit more in longer form. Um, yep. in, in kind of like the free, shorter form digital video, I'd say there's two, the, the revenue opportunities are like people tend to be paid for their audiences. Um, and, and BuzzFeed has done an amazing job at scale and, and some other uh, competitors have done a great job at scale. We haven't done that yet. Um, but you do need scale in yes, video. Yes, you right? need scale in yeah. video. And so um, we're kind of in the midst of evaluating on our on-site and off-site properties, how do we generate the scale that we need? Um, and we've restructured the team to just be much more targeted and experimental. Um, and to build data and kind of feedback into what we're doing. So do, do you look at something like food on Facebook and, you know, and think maybe we, that's something that's, that can be sort of core to, you know, part of what the Times is and wean in with the Times flavor into something that's already, there's a model at least for I'd, scale? I'd say, well, there, there's like what we're, our focus on now, I've, I've actually just been at a very high level last summer thinking about where are the opportunities in video. Now that I'm back, I'm really digging in. One small initiative, I'll just say, I think um, the future of journalism is increasingly visual and thinking about how we tell stories more visually on, on mobile in particular is essential. Um, so we've spent a lot of time over the last month focusing, and even before I got back, focusing on um, news video and making that part of like the core experience and it's been enormously successful um so we're, can you give me an example when, when we're talking news, like when we're, we're talking ta- about not breaking Paris news. attacks breaking okay. news like the times went out and um found the video of the pregnant woman who was hanging from um the the theater and verified it and made kind of like a short enterprise piece and it was a huge video for us. Um, another was when last week when... Um, That's expensive. That, that, like, the resources to make that happen, verify it, is... Well, it was one person who just did it and put the video together. I mean, the, the kind of the video journalists at the Times are one-man bands. Sure. Who, um, so we've had a couple examples of stuff that we've just done quickly, um, and then we've also just been focusing more on, like, on... 
um, on clips. That is, that's one small area that we've just actually been able to do already, but we're looking at other areas of like, where does it make sense for the Times brand to get into? So I happen to be very partial to cooking because <laughs> I worked on that for a while, right. but, um, but we're, we're thinking that through. Um, one, thing, one thing that's uh, sh struck me is, uh, so Snapchat Discover, New York Times, not currently there, correct? Correct. Um, saw someone like the Wall Street Journal I beat you there, or for whatever reason. So I'm curious, will the times go there, and if, and why? Why hasn't that happened so far? I'm personally very excited about um, about these off-platform opportunities. I think uh, I think that one in particular. We were in the midst of a lot of internal changes, like to the video department, which would be kind of the, the people doing the actual work of being on Snapchat Discover, um, video department and the graphics department, which is run by Steve Duenas. But I, uh, I'm very, very excited about the off-platform off generally and experimenting there. And I think it's, it's one of the things the audience team did last March was start an Instagram account that's been really successful for us and I think has been really important in terms of introducing the Times brand to younger readers. Um, and so I think there's like an opportunity there on Snapchat. Our team has been actually, the audience team has been experimenting on Snapchat for the last year, just working with reporters to tell stories. But it's discovery is so hard there that I think actually our approach has been really authentic um, and, and pretty Snapchat E, if I, you know, I mean, I'm obviously but, biased. But, in, but, but invisible it's been, to most people? It's, no, it's, it's, you know, it, it's hard to get discovered unless you're part of the discovery. So, so a year from now, you're, New York Times is on Discover or not? Oh, I think we're, we'd love to talk to them about it. Okay. <laughs> I think they'd probably talk to you. Um, uh, BuzzFeed for, I, I think BuzzFeed's on 10, you talk about being distributing to 10 platforms, is that right? Do I have that Oh, we're right? on 30 platforms, but oh. uh, we have obviously okay. many, you know, about 10 of them are much bigger than the other ones. Okay, and um, you published a blog post today, um, which uh, Peter Kafka has a write-up on Recode right now about, and my takeaway was Comscore, BuzzFeed's not satisfied with sort of current measurement of reach for a media organization at a time when distribution to social channels and other channel, other platforms is such a big part of, certain, of your business, for example. Mm -hmm. So Comscore counts you at somewhere around 80 million uniques. Um, in the U.S. In the U.S. Um, the BuzzFeed argument, and, and sort of that, you've been around that number for the last year, and so now you're saying, actually, we think our reach is somewhere around 400 million people. Um, we need someone to figure out a way to measure that, or we want our advertisers to believe that number. What, 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 was the, what, what were you trying to get across in, in, the, po in the blog post you, you published today? Well, what I was trying to get across is that it's not actually about a number. Right? It's not that even if someone were able to measure our actual global reach regularly, consistently, uh, accurately, or as accurately as you can, um, a single metric is not, uh, is not that interesting. Like, we've always believed that there is no one metric to rule them all. Um, and but and a lot of different like, things matter. But advertisers but have, have gravitated toward I think, or, I think advertisers couple. are probably more sophisticated than, than, you sure. might want, than you're giving them credit for. 
I'm not not giving them credit. <laughs> I'm saying the way business has been done mm -hmm. has been around one or a handful of metrics, which you are now saying is no is is less much less relevant than it's been. That's right. UVs and comps for UVs in particular don't measure our reach. Uh, you know, people who watch our videos on Facebook, people who watch our videos on YouTube mobile, people who read our site or use our apps outside of the U.S. or you know who look at Snapchat or any of our other platforms. And so uh, it ha it's just an increasingly uh, irrelevant number. So so. And so even internally, when when Buzz when Jonah. Uh, rolled out his distributed strategy uh, over a year ago now, we started thinking about different kinds of metrics that we, would, that we should look at to align with our strategy. And so... And also to bring to the advertiser and, and maybe investment community so, so there's a more complete picture of, of what you believe sort of the, re the reach of the business is. Yes. We, first, you know, the first thing that we do is we look at, at these metrics to see if they are the kinds of metrics that are, that are going to, going to um, show us something, right? Top-line metrics are very interesting for you know, measuring overall reach or impact or, uh, or um, uh, you know, trends in the, in the industry. Um, but then we also use a lot of data just to see if we can learn something. And that, and, and that is also... Uh, taking uh, data to a, a different level where you're not just looking at UVs. So, so we'll get to Q&A in a second, but assuming, assuming there's not an a third-party entity that's going to overnight or in the next couple of years um, measure things the way you are internally, what is the message to advertise? Do, do is, it, is it a leap of faith for advertisers and potential future investors to to trust your internal metrics, or how does, how does that affect the business? It's not even in our internal metrics. It's metrics that we get from parties, third parties as well, from our partners, uh, such as Facebook and YouTube as well. So it's, it's not like we are, um, we are uh, totally freestyling <laughs> yeah. um, the kinds of data that we put together. Got it. Okay. So we don't really have an answer there, but I wanted to give it an opportunity um, for anyone in the audience with a question for either Dow or Alex. Yep, please tell us who you are. Hi, I'm Sean from Bounce Exchange. Alex, we're your neighbors in, in the New York Times building on the 21st floor. But, um, you know, I was wondering, for audience development, one of the main purposes is that you want to get every single visitor that comes to the website to take an action of value, whether that is getting them to sign up for a newsletter, uh, simply reading more content, or in your case, getting them to buy a digital or print subscription. Now, everyone likes to talk about this notion of improving the user experience, but what is it specifically that you guys are doing uh, when I go to New York Times, I might be someone who's coming in from social, and I'm only there to read that one article and then leave your website. I don't care enough about the New York Times brand, or I don't care enough about BuzzFeed to want to sign up for your newsletter. Whereas when Jason goes to the site, he's someone who's coming there every day. He's reading four or five pieces of sports content or politics content, but he's not on that specific newsletter related to sports or politics. What sort of actions are you taking on your website to improve the user experience to react to the behaviors that I'm taking on your website in that said moment in time? 
I am happy to. Uh, yeah. so, so one of the things that the Times is really focused on now is thinking about personalization, but it's not just like a one-to-one -one relationship, it's also segmentation. So how do we create an experience for, we call them one and dones, people who are coming in from Facebook that's a great experience for them where we're also able to support our business model. So maybe that's like an advertising play and we have you know, hopefully a great experience advertising wise there and then have a different experience for people who are coming either directly to the site or who are the same user coming through Facebook a number of times per month and customizing the experience for those people. Maybe they actually, you know, serving up an email newsletter that they're not already subscribed to and being able to, to tell that. So that's stuff we're already experimenting with um, and we're focusing on more and more. Dow, do you want to go at that or? Oh, I think he was asking. Okay, let's go to the next, next question. Tell us Hi, who you are. Zach Khan, I'm a student at GW. Um, so we've talked a lot about uh, different uh, mediums like Snapchat Discover and Facebook Instant Articles, but uh, one new medium that seems to be um, at least thriving in terms of growth and popularity is our podcasts. Um, I know BuzzFeed has a, a few podcasts, I'm not sure about the New York Times, but I'm wondering if you both could uh, talk a little bit more about um, how you approach podcasts in terms of editorial and then uh, perhaps more importantly in terms of measurement. So um, we're really excited about our podcasts. We have a number of them. We have another round, uh, who, which has been incredibly successful. Um, and uh, we just launched a new one called The, the Tell Show. Uh, we have an Internet Explorer. Um, we, uh, we have several podcasts. And it's a very interesting exercise in, um, in, in uh, building a community and, um, and uh, having an impact beyond the podcast as well. And so we can, we have our podcast that we, that, you know, where we talk about a variety of subjects, but then we use our, all, all of our other platforms and distribution expertise to, um, to create a community of people who are interested in that kind of, um, that kind of content. Um, and so whereas the kinds of metrics that you get from podcasting is, is very poor, uh, in terms of anything, number of beta points or, you know, frequency of, uh, of them. Um, you get we, listen, listen. Yeah, basically, yep. downloads. Um, and so uh, uh, we, 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 can, we can measure sort of like the, the community um, engagement and growth of it on other platforms that, that, uh, that we have created to support the podcast. Alex, you have a yeah. I, so I'm not in charge of podcasting at the times at all, but I, you know, have been. In You're representing them here. So yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um, uh, but I think there are a couple things. One is as we think about branded content, podcasts is just like actually a really good um, user experience for from the revenue perspective. Um, advertising just like works in podcasts in a way that it that you know on display in, in on the web it doesn't as seamlessly. Um, so I think the people internally are excited about, about that on the advertising side. And in editorial, um, there are a number of people who are working through what should our podcasting strategy be. Um, they've already done one experiment with Modern Love, um, which is a column in style every Sunday. Um, and it, that podcast was released, I think, three weeks ago and is more downloaded than Serial. It's been a massive success. Um, and so, you know, I, that, that's one of like a number of things that we have planned for the year. Let's get one, one more quick question. 
Hey, I'm Martin. I'm with Streama, and it's uh, related to the previous question that was being asked about podcasting. I was curious to hear more about your thoughts on pure audio content and how it fits with the strategy of your companies and products. Thank you. Pure audio content. Podcast like, and other anything else? Any other audio? Um, we we have been experimenting with some audio. Um, I think that it's a form of of content that could be used well in storytelling, which is which is ultimately what what BuzzFeed loves to do, um, and and so uh, it's. I guess I guess we we still sort of are trying to figure out what's the best way to use it. But we have um, we have an audio editor. We have we definitely have people thinking about this this kind of uh, this this form of content um, as it relates to how you tell stories. That's yeah. Just one of the the, the key things that um, the Times is doing is is like thinking about what form should a story take. So should it be a podcast? Should it be a video? Should it be like a graphic rep representation of something? Should it be all text? Um, so. Part of our strategy going forward is just thinking about like what are the different tools that we have at our disposal for digital storytelling, and particularly as most of our audience is on mobile, like you know, making sure that we're telling stories that are a really great experience um, on mobile specifically. All right, so we're going to stop there. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dow. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. 